I wanted to talk this morning about overcoming fear. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Do not fear for I am with you. And um, I've been just, I've been reading a book um, by John Ortberg. He's a, he's a really great author. He's an easy read if you're looking for a good book to read. Um, and it says, The me I want to be. The me I want to be becoming God's best version of you. You know, because we often are just, you know, we're, we're us, but we know that there's a better version hiding somewhere. Or is anybody else feel that sometimes? <laughs> it's like, let's do the real me, the one, you know, who God wants me to be. So the me I want to be the God's best version of yourself. And um, sometimes that can be hidden. And one of the things that can hide the best version of ourself and who God's created us to be is to be afraid. I'm going to say afraid because I think my accent is going to cause problems today. <laughs> fear. <laughs> fear. Um, and fear is a sneak. And if you read my blog last night, I actually blogged this, but I'm going to share what's on my heart because um, it's actually a sneak. It can't, you know, and the enemy is the author of fear and the author of confusion, and he loves to steal and kill and destroy. And one of the things he likes to destroy is the best version of ourselves. Yeah? Anybody else know that? It's like, you know what you... I mean, I think it's Paul, and he writes this really funny round and round and round passage in the Bible. It's like, um, we don't do the things we want to do, and we, and you know, we do what we don't want to do, and it goes round and round, and it's like quite confusing when you read it. And it's like, but that's what it is. We don't do the things we want to do, and we're not who we want to be because fear gets in the way, and our own pride gets in the way, and confusion, and, and we, get, we don't have clarity on who we're supposed to be. And one of the things I love about the word is it tells us who God is so then we know who we are in him. Because the Bible is actually, it's, it's to tell us who God is. And if we're made in his image, then it also tells us who we are. It's not just a guidebook of how to live. Primarily, the word is to share who God is. He's sharing himself with us. If you want to know God, read his word because he's in it. And then as you do that, you, he will reveal to us who we truly are. Not what the world says, not what our past says, not what our family may say, but God reveals, as we know who he is more, who we truly are. And as a fear is a sneak, because it comes to steal our peace, our feelings of security, of rest, of hope for the future. And instead of living, expecting the very best for our lives, like God says in Ephesians 3.20, I come that, you know, like you might have, um, that he will do exceedingly more than we can hope or ask or think or dream or possibly imagine. I like it in Amplified, it just beeps it up a bit. But it's like, but fear comes to steal that and so we're not living in confidence and it attempts to limit and squash down and box and diminish our life. And that's why perfect love casts out all fear. And God wants us to know who we are in him, who he is, that he is bigger, he is higher, he is stronger, he is wider than anything that fear and the enemy, who is the author of fear, can come against us. That's why it's so important that we learn to ascend and sit in heavenly places and get heaven's perspective of who we are in our life. Because fear will scream, don't do it, what if? Yeah? What if this happens? Oh, well, that happened to that person over there, so what if it happens to you? Or what if God isn't faithful? Or what if? That's how we did Adam and Eve. What if he's trying to hold something back from you? And if they had known more who God was, 
and who they were in him, they would never have been fooled. But how often do we make the same mistakes? And so God is saying, perfect love, my perfect love casts out all fear. And that's why Jesus said, fear not, little flock, for I am with you. He said constantly, it's actually over 365 times in the Bible, that's one day of the year, one for every day of the year, fear not. When God repeats himself, it's because he's trying to get a message across. It's, you know, like, it's like a parent, you know, we say it once, oh yeah, but if we say it multiple times, they know we're serious, hopefully. You know I'm serious, Ben? No, you don't. No. I have to talk louder. Um, so... He says, fear not so many times and to cast all our worries, fears and insecurities onto him because he cares for us. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your worries, cast all your fear, cast all your concerns upon him because he cares for you. And he knows that if we cast all that stuff upon him and let him carry the load and let him carry all the worries and concerns, then fear will not sneak in and steal our inheritance, steal our future and limit us. So that's why he says, cast all your fear on us. Cast all your concern on me. And Philippians 4, 6 says that we are to not be anxious about anything but and all things pray and pray. Pray about everything. Don't be anxious because that's where fear comes from. Don't be anxious about anything but pray about everything. You know, sometimes we sanitise our praying. We only think we can pray about world peace and, you know, the economy or, or you know, some, somebody's going through a hard time and we, can't, we have to kind of sanitise our prayers to actually not be what we're feeling at the time or what we're, what, where we are at at the time. If you're having a bad day... God, help me. I'm having a bad day. I was running yesterday and I just kept on running and I kept on running and running. I ended up running 10Ks because it took me that long to get to the point where I could actually pray what I was feeling. And it's like, and then I could listen. It was like I needed to run that far to get myself sorted out. That's how I sort myself out. Some people might do other things, but that's how far I ran. I'm like, I'm, like, oh, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> so, um, but it's like God want, knows what's on our heart. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're feeling already. So be honest and pray about everything. If you're having a hard day, if you need a car park, if you need something to move, if you need your kids to, you know, behave, it's like God, I need you. And, um, and start to pray that and get the word on it and pray about everything. That doesn't just mean the things that sound good in church. We're very good at doing that, packaging our prayers instead of being honest. God says, be anxious for nothing, pray about everything. Amen? And this is why he tells us not to worry about our life. And, and it's because he knows that when we're anxious and we're fearful that, that we kind of will get ourselves limited and squished. You know, Matthew 6 says, I like it in the Passion, it says, This is why I tell you never to be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, your food, your water, your clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at all the birds. Do they think and worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food. Your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? And I was talking to Justice, Justin when we are in, um, in Sydney and we are having a meal together and he says, you know what, you should just picture yourself as 300 years old. Because if you're 300 years old and that old, you really have a bit of perspective and you don't worry. 
And all the people that might annoy you, just see them as little children and they just need a cuddle. And I just need you to be like nice to them because they're still little children. And you know, and, and he said, because in actual fact you are that ancient. We're the ancient, you know, like we're, we're before the foundation of the world, God thought about us. He thought us up. And so he's known us that long. And so you are quite ancient. It's okay, you don't have to be afraid of getting old now because you're already ancient. And um, it's like, it's like, if, we, if, we, if you had a perspective of somebody that old and you meet people that are older, and old, really old, and they don't worry about stuff because they have a perspective if they've known the Lord and walked with him that far that everything's going to be all right, that he's looked after us this far. And they have all these memorials. And they, I love how the Israelites, they had all these memorials that God told them to put. And every time they walked past a certain spot, they remembered what God had done. And so when you're 300 years old, you will have a lot of memorials of all the things that God has done. If you're 20-year-old, you're going to have memorials of the things that God has done, and it adds up. So imagine yourself at 300 years old, how much God would have done, and you don't need to worry because God is faithful to his word. You don't have to be afraid because he is going to pull you through, that he'll walk with you through the valleys, and he'll shout with you on the mountaintops because God is faithful. Amen? I'm not shouting. I'm preaching better than you're saying. I know men here. It's like, it's like think, of, think with a perspective of heaven that everything is going to be okay. And if it doesn't look like it's okay, that God is not done yet. He has not finished the work yet. It's like, it's like Michelangelo when he carved out the statue of David out of this slab of marble. If we had looked at the slab of marble, we would have thought nothing good's going to come from that. And yet he could see what he wanted to create. And that's what God is like with us. He sees what he is creating. He sees what he made you to be. He says, I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you even saw the light of any daylight down here, I saw you and I planned all your days. They're written in my book of life and I know what you're going to look like. And that statue of David, he carved that out and he just let it, and let it come out of the marble to him. He could see it. He could see what he wanted that. And that's what God's like with us. He sees us. We're not insignificant. He values each one of us and he knows what he is doing. And so why do we worry? He says, why do you worry, little flock? Why are you so afraid? Don't let your hearts be troubled. You may have some trials, you may have some tribulations. If you're 300 years old, you'll know that. It's like, but I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I have overcome every sickness. I have overcome every lack. I have overcome every fear. I've overcome every hurt and disappointment. And when we locate ourselves in him, we're going to be all right. So as I was running, and I was running out a little thing that I'm going through, which you'll hear about later, but it was like I actually felt heaven come around me and I felt the, you know, it says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and I felt Abraham come in and I felt Moses coming around me and I felt Jesus standing there and it's like I'm surrounded. We're surrounded. We have people cheering us on in heavenly places going, come on, you don't have to worry about that. It's just a little bump in the road and it's good. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And it's good. So we can trust and not be afraid. And the devil is a sneak. And the thing he uses often to undermine our confidence in who God is and who he's made us to be is fear. We fear that it might not work out. We fear something bad might happen. 
Stuff is going to happen. But he says, do not be troubled. I have overcome. And you're an overcomer. You are more than conquerors through Christ. Amen? And fear is the opposite of love. And when we fear, we become afraid and hesitant to step out of our comfort zone. We see others living courageously, traveling and healthy relationships, successful and full of vitality. And often, because of our fear, if we let it come in, we just look on and go, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could do that. How many times have you actually looked at somebody else and gone, I wish I could do that? Social media is terrible for it because we see the picture-perfect life of somebody else and go, oh, I wish I could be like that. I wish my family could be like that. How come, how come it's not like that? And it's like we start to compare ourselves and then fear comes out and we go like that. And instead of standing up tall with our, lifting up our head and saying God is good and he's not done yet, we start to go like that. And it's like, unless we acknowledge God and he is bigger, we're going we're gonna to allow fear to crowd out his love. And, it's, and one of the things I've learned, and I'm going to share Philip's story for a sec, is um, that regardless of how many podcasts we can listen to, how many sermons are preached, how many self-help books you might read, when it comes to fear and anxiety and being afraid and, and, and knowing that you are not being the person that God wants you to be, but you're listening and listening and, oh, I've read this verse. And you can know a hundred Bible verses about not being afraid. But I'm going to tell you something. Unless you choose to trust God and step out of your comfort zone and face your fear, you will stay stuck in that fear. And I was... Philip, actually, you know, like a couple of years ago, we went through a rough time and he actually became quite anxious to the point that sometimes he didn't want to get out of bed in the morning and he would have accelerated heart rate and come out in cold sweats and it wasn't a fun space at all. And um, when we went to America, it was, a mass, it was actually a massive deal. You know, he's taking seven of us to the States and he was struggling with anxiety back then. And um, it was like, how, how are we going to go? And you know, we're going flying by the seat of our pants as we do. Like, okay, God, you're going to provide places to stay and enough money and all those things. And we had enough, you know, he'd had enough in him to know that he could do that because he had a memorial that God had, God had provided before. But Americans drive on the other side of the road and they have really big cities. And so us, for us to drive around America like we did was like an anxiety point for Philip. But I have a huge admiration for him because he didn't allow his anxiety and fear to dictate where he was going to stay. He knew that it was there and he knew that he was quite concerned about driving in New York City, which is a valid concern. <laughs> and I like, but he just got in the car and just trusted that God was with him and that he had Google Maps and there's GPS and he was going to be okay. And, and by the end of the trip, we had driven through all the way from Toronto, all the way through Buffalo, crossed to Chicago. Then we drove it to Was we drove in Washington D.C. We drove in New York City. We drove in Dallas, Texas. We drove pretty much all over the place through some really, really crazy cities. Where we were like, "Oh my goodness, it's peak hour traffic. Are you okay?" And he's like, he just faced his fear. But the time we got back after five weeks holidaying of him pushing against that fear and that anxiety and going, God, I'm just going to, each day I'm just going to push against it. 
he was quite different and that anxiety dropped off and he's quite different and he's back to he's actually better than he was before he's more determined he's stronger he's wiser and he's doing things that he probably wouldn't have done before you know we're opening things up across the other side of the country and it's like we can we can think about doing things but when you face your fear and you and you you kind of hit a death blow to fear it like just opens up your world and so i have huge admiration for philip because he faced that he got in the word, he rested in God and he pushed. Where he could have gone, no, nah, we can't do it. It would have put a limit on our lives and what God had said for us to do. But he said, I'm going to face this fear, which is just a very practical thing. Who would want to drive in New York City? Not me. But he did because he was like, I'm going to face this and I'm going to do it. And so I encourage you, if you know that you have lids on your life, you feel like, oh, I can't do that or what if, is... Go with God and face the fear and then go, all right, Jesus, I'm going to trust that you're going to take me. Don't be stupid about it. Just take a step and then you're going to get a win and then take another one. And you might get buffeted about a bit, but if that is what God wants you to do, he's going to enable you to do it. And it's like our life is meant to be lived, not existed. So what are you afraid of? What do you know is not from God? Because fear is nothing to do with him. That is the enemy. He is, uh, uh, God always speaks faith and encouragement. If you're discouraged, that is not from Jesus. If you've got whispering of, oh, you can't do that, or you just feel discouraged, that's not God. That's not God. Wherever you feel limited and diminished, that is not God speaking. That is the enemy tapping in and triggering on our baggage or just lying straight out to us. Yeah? And so any time we avoid doing something out of fear, we actually die a little on the inside. So we've got to make sure that we're living, that what we're listening to and what we're doing is not the enemy stealing because he is a stinking sneak. And so whenever we pull back, something dies on the inside of us, a, a, a seed of hope, a seed of a dream, and we've got to keep on pouring water on it of faith and the word and his presence and being around people who are like go-getters. You hang around with people that talk fear and sickness and getting old and all those things, what happens? Mum? It, it happens. You become, you become what you listen to. You become what you're around. You know, and to be honest, not everybody likes being around Philip and I because we push against that, oh, we'll just settle. And I'm not going to apologise for that. I'm not. Because God wants so much more than what we think we can do. And he needs people that are going to, come on, come on, come on. Because otherwise we will die little bit by little bit on the inside of all the plans and hopes and dreams and seeds that God puts inside of us. Yet when we choose to take a risk God and God and trust him, and give our worries and concerns to him and step out, something amazing happens. Something amazing happens. It's like life, Zoe life. The life of God happens on the inside. You know, Tracy and Lynn, they went over to, to Queensland and they went to Kenneth Copeland and they, they had a win, didn't you? You're like, we did it. There might have been a little bit of trepidation in doing it, but you did it. You did it. Yeah? And it's like I look around the room and I think of people's stories, I know, and it's like just face your fear and take a step. 
just to go, I'm not going to be limited. I'm not going to have the lids put on. I'm not going to do this. You know, me putting art around the house is like, oh, but now I'm doing it. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't, I haven't shared what happened in Sydney, but I actually, you know, like Philip is an awesome preacher and Justin's just cool, you know, and it's like, here I am. And I'm like, oh, Lord, and you see, you can diminish who you are by your stinking thinking. You can put less value on who you are than what God does. And that's why when Philip was sharing before about when we sow a seed, often we don't actually expect much back because we don't put as much value on our life as he does on us. We go, oh, well, I'll just have this. Or, oh, you know, God can provide, but it'll be secondhand or it'll be the cheap off the cheap counter and God's never saying that he says you sow a seed I want to get you the best I want you to have the very best I want you to have the desire of your heart and it's only our expectation of what God can do it it limits him because we speak this rubbish words it's like oh well we'll go around we'll go around America but we'll just stay in the backpackers if we had done that, that's where we would have ended up. Instead, we stayed in these amazing places, got food cooked for us and, and free nights and all of them were practically Christians that we stayed with because God valued us and he valued the seed that we had sown. He valued the dream in our heart. He values us. How about we value us just as much as he does? And don't let our fear limit us. So when we fear paralyzes but love and faith sets us free, And that's what Jesus came for. The Son came to set us free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. We know it, but do we live it? So wherever you are today, know that perfect love casts out all fear. Whatever the dream is in your heart, oh, I miss telling the story. (laughs) Whatever the dream is in in your heart, it's like that God put it there. Um, I think I was talking to somebody this week and they were were saying that when you have an idea and you keep on getting the idea, that's God. And he's chasing, that idea is chasing you, trying to catch up with you because you're running away from it. It's like we can get so busy doing this stuff and we, you know, sometimes we just have this thought, oh, maybe I should do that. That's God. Getting that idea to chase you till you stop and listen to it. So how many ideas are chasing you? How many dreams are chasing you? And you just have to stop, look and listen and go, oh, let's unpack that. What does that mean? What, what could I do if I wasn't afraid? What could you do? Who would you be if you weren't afraid? So here I am in Sydney with this crowd of people who I practically knew no one. And uh, we put on this conference and packed out the room. And and Justin's just preached and Philip's coming up and God says, I want you to paint and I want you to share and preach at the same time. I'm like, oh, Lord. So I confess that I bought the smallest canvas I could <laughs> to go, all right, God, I'll do it. When the Lord really wanted a really, really big canvas, but I was like, I'm just going to do this step. So I did. And I painted and I shared and I had my bright red apron on and bare feet and I just I'm just going to share what I do with Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what, people were standing up watching. Simon was a blessing and he played to kind of help me. That's what I do. I have atmosphere music. And here I am with bare feet and paint everywhere. And, and 
But people received it. The amount of people that came to me afterwards was amazing and I sold all my paintings that I'd brought and I've now got already got people signing up for the workshop that I'm going to do before the hub over in Sydney in November. And it's like, if I had let my fear of I'm not good enough or people are going to think I'm weird or I'm just me, because that's what we often do is I'm just me. Who am I? Whereas who are you not to be? Amazing and spectacular. You're a child of God. Who are you not to be amazing? And so I just went, all right, I'm just going to do it. So I just got in my zone, bare feet and all, and did it. And it was like, you know what? Something lifted off. I just went to a space that I hadn't been before, and I'm like, I feel all sparkly on the inside. And that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to live. Zoe life is the God type of life. Are you living the God type of life? Because that's what God wants you to live. And yes, we're going to have trials and tribulations and the enemy's going to have a little hissy fit because you're standing up and running. But you know what? Outrun him. He's slow. He's only got three tricks in his book. And when you know those, you can shut them down. He tries to steal from us. He tries to rob from us. <laughs> steal, kill, rob and destroy. You know, And it's like, he can't kill you. Because God ordains your life. He's written every day in your book. And as long as you're not speaking rubbish and you're staying in the place that he wants, so he will get you where he needs to be and he will protect you. Yes? He is our shouter. He is our shield. He is the one that chooses. So we don't have to worry about that one. Just shut that one down. And if he steals, you know what? If he tries to rob from you, you nail that sucker and say, you've got to give me back seven times what you stole. Any time where you know the enemy is stolen from you, where it is money, where it is time, where it is gifting, where it is relationships, you owe me seven times. Seven times you give it up and you will plunder the storehouses of the Satan, the darkness. You can plunder because he goes around. He started as a snake and he ends up as a dragon. There's a reason for that because he's going around plundering our stuff and if you sit back and let him, he will do it. So go and get back what your stuff is. Yes? And if it means that you have been sitting on dreams or you've let go of things or you know you're limited because of fear, then get feisty and go, all right, I'm going to take a step, just like we did when we went to the States. We're just going to do this. We're just going to do it. It might not look all neat like everybody else in their five-star packaging and their cruises, we're just, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And we did. And we had an amazing time and we we're so blessed with it. And it was a time where, you know, like I knew Shara was going to leave home soon and it was just that holiday that we could have with her where it was like, and, you know, we, it keeps on coming up on our Facebook feed recently of, oh, we were there. No, we're at Niagara Falls. And I think about all the amazing places we've been. I'm like, look what God did. And he's not done yet. Because the faith is ever increasing. You get one thing and God goes, all right, you ready for the next thing? That's how he is. You ready for the next trip? Come on. <laughs> We're getting there. And that's what it is. You just take a step and take another one. And once you get that win in your pocket, it's like Philip. Now he has his great job. And he's studying as well and it's like he's not like he was a couple of years ago because he got a win in his pocket. He knows that he's got it. And he might have a day or two where it's like, ugh, and he just goes back to what he knows. And he knows that God is with him and he knows that he's got a plan and a hope for him. 
And that's what I want to encourage you this morning. Don't let fear sneak in and steal. Don't let it because it's like a little fox. Watch out for the little foxes that spoil the vine. Watch out for those things that come in and try to infiltrate our thinking and our home life and make us think that God just wants this little life when he says, I want this life. Yeah, we're in for a crazy, exciting ride, guys. We are. And one of the awesome things about how we do gatherings and how we do it is that we make space. God has just given us space to live and to be who he made us to be without all the weight of all the other stuff on us. We're free. We're free to be who God made us to be without all the systems and stuff. Amen? So you're free. And if you're here and if you're listening online, it's like God wants so much more for us. Whatever you can think up, he says, I will do exceedingly more. So what are you thinking up this morning? What's your wildest, craziest, wackiest thing that you can think up that you would just, oh, that would be amazing if I had that. Come on. Now God's going to do more. God will do more. So don't let fear stop you. Just take a step. I've got this. Then take another one. I've got this. And let's see what God can do. Amen. So it's October. It's time to reflect, as Philip would say. What's God going to do? Don't look back at the year and go, oh. Look at the year ahead and go, all right. Fun stuff is coming. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word that's like fire in our hearts, Lord. I pray that would burn away all the rubbish and all the cares of the world and all the things that the enemy in the world says to us that it's not possible. Lord, all things are possible in you. Everything is possible, Lord. And, and so I just pray that as we go through this week and even the rest of the day, Lord, that you would start to ignite things in our spirit, that our spirit would reveal them to our mind, that, Lord, you would blow off things that have just limited us, that lids would come off our lives right now in the name of Jesus, that there would just be a, just a a popping of things in our spirit that would bring revelation to our mind of what is possible and the dreams that have been sitting there and the seeds that have been lying dormant. I just speak those into life in the name of Jesus, that they would start to spark, that they start to germinate, that they would start to grow, Lord, that they would start to flourish, that we would be like mighty oaks of righteousness, Lord, a planting of the Lord. And Lord, that we would just stand firm together, that we would encourage one another, that we would spread out our branches and bring shelter to many who come close to us, Lord, and they would go, look at you. Look how leafy, look how green you are. Even in your old age that you are still flourishing. I declare that, that even in old age you would flourish, that there is no age, there is no limits in God and he can do whatever he wants. That, that Moses, his eyes were not dim and his strength was not abated, that he stood on the mountaintops with you, Lord, and said, I declare that there is no age in you, there is no limit that all things are possible, that you would strengthen the weary hearts and the weary minds and the weary bodies and lift us up, that we would lift up our heads and open our gates and expect you to come in and do awesome things in us and through us. In the name of Jesus, amen? Amen.